Hello, readers. Coming up, it's my conversation with Sal Iacano, a.k.a. Cousin Sal, on his new book, You Can't Win Them All. Wanted to remind you about BooksOnPod.com. It's where you can go to hear all of our episodes as well as subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. And feel free to give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook at BooksOnPod. Hi, this is Annie Duke, author of How to Decide. You're listening to Books on Pod with Trey Elling, and I really hope you enjoy the conversation about how to become an expert decision maker. Hello, readers. Sal Iacono is Cousin Sal. He is the co-founder of the Extra Points Podcast Network, a bits guy on his real-life cousin's show, Jimmy Kimmel Live, co-host of Fox Bet Live on FS1, a degenerate gambler, and an undefeated pro wrestler, and he's just written a book about it all. You can't win them all. Tales of a Degenerate Gambler and His Ridiculous Friends. Sal, thanks for the time. How you doing today? Good. Everything's great. Trying to, you know, keep it together and uh, just trying to hold on to a little bit of money before uh, the Super Bowl ends or (laughs) before it gets here. This new book is very entertaining. I know people are familiar with uh, some of your comedic work from Jimmy Kimmel and Fox and elsewhere, but uh, you have a way with words, sir. Why did you decide to start this book with the story of how you met your wife, the Melissa Trojanowski, as she was referred to at the time? (laughs) That's right, Melissa Trojanowski. Um, well, uh, you know what? Actually, it was like, to be honest with you, it was like the fourth chapter. And then my cousin Jimmy's like, oh, no, that has to be your first one. That's <laughs> the strongest. So um, if that's the strongest, just read the first chapter, and then uh, you can be done with the book. Uh, uh, but, no, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, it's the one bet uh, without running the risk of uh, sounding sappy here. It's the one bet I've uh, conclusively won uh, meeting her and in Mexico on a bachelor party. And, uh, and that was it. Yeah. Melissa Trojanowski. I didn't know much about her other than she had a last name of a, a starting linebacker from uh, USC. And, um, uh, we, we talked in Mexico and then I, I looked her up because I knew she went to uh, Madison and last name Trojanowski. And that's all I needed to uh, meet back up with her. And, uh, from there, the love affair began, I guess. You've placed bets on all sorts of avenues of life, far beyond pro and college uh, sports. What's the bet that you made on your eight-year-old's flag football game? <laughs> I used to bet. They're so It was so boring, the flag football, because it was run play after run play. And uh, I ended up losing a bet. I was giving um, – I don't even think I mentioned this in the book, but I was giving two-and-a-half points to a friend of ours whose son was on the other flag football team. And I ended up uh, losing. It wasn't even a lot of money, but I was so mad that I lost, and it was a questionable call by the refs, that I followed the referee to his car. And, uh, and he basically, after I gave him an earful, he turned around. He said, come on, man, they're eight-year-olds. <laughs> and he really stopped, stopped me in my track. And that, from that day on, uh, for the next two or three weeks, I didn't bet on flag football. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> for two or three weeks. Nice. Uh, yeah, you're, that was it. Yeah. You're, you're actually named after your granddad, aptly named Grandpa Sal. What was your Grandpa Sal like? He was the greatest guy. He was uh, an upholsterer, um, grew up in Brooklyn, and, you know, lived there until he was like 67 years old, and then moved to Las Vegas with my my aunt and uncle and their kids and my cousins, and um, had another 25 years of, of gambling. You know, he used to just bet the horses at OTB, which is a place in New York where, you know, like a uh, cigar-chewing Italian old men go 
to bet a couple dollars on horses, and he was fine with that. And then moved to Vegas and had a whole new life in the sun. And, you know, on $20 a day, he would go downtown and eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he'd get there at uh, noon and then come back at midnight and watch, like, David Letterman and uh, work on his projects. And in those hours in between, he would just play the one-armed bandit. He would play, um, you know, uh, Kino and slot machines. And um, just a, a great guy, though, aside from the gambling uh, addiction. Just a terrific man. I'm happy to be named after Sal, your Twitter bio touts an undefeated record in pro wrestling, and it's true. You go through yeah. all of the motions and eventually fight Santino Morella in the WWE, <laughs> and you tell the story in the book. You did it on the condition that Roddy Roddy Piper, one of your childhood heroes, got to train you and be in your corner for the match. You actually formed a friendship with Roddy over time, which was cool. What was y'all's typical phone call? What did that sound like, and what does Roddy's companionship mean to you even several years after he died? Well, Roddy was the greatest, and he was a teddy bear of a man. And, um, you know, uh, you know what, what was the phone call like? He would call me up and ask me why I wasn't with my kids. And I was like, well, I'm talking to you, Roddy. And he's like, my pal, put the phone down and go play with your kids. And that would be a conversation. He would call me to tell, make sure I was um, paying enough attention to my children. And that's how he was. He was a great guy. And, you know, as one of the greatest heels in wrestling history he didn't really you wouldn't think he would fit the bill of a of a like i said a teddy bear of a man but he was just that and um yeah we we got a storyline for me through jimmy kim alive and i was to wrestle like you said santino morello and uh i said i want roddy to train me and roddy did just that and he beat the hell out of me too you know he had uh obviously a tough side to him too and he would um you know, he put me in the sleeper hold and threw me around a ring. Like, the training was, it wasn't um, in anticipation of anything I needed to learn for the match itself, which I was scripted moves, you know, 1 through 46. But uh, he took pride in beating me up, and uh, there, was, um, there was something to it that I understood years later why I had to go through that. And, uh, but, yeah, like I said, I, I went to many, many dinners with him, and he was uh, – wise beyond his years and uh, I miss the guy he left us too early. Speaking of hanging out with your kids, uh, one of my favorite things that you do is on Bill Simmons podcast. At the end of your weekly chat during football season, y'all go through something called Parent Corner where you tell stories from the previous week as parents. Bill has a son and daughter. I think you have three boys and I definitely remember hearing this one at some point over the last couple of years on the podcast and was happy to relearn it for this book. What is the curious case of the hobo and the pepperoni pizza <laughs> well this is another you know it's, it's it's vaguely tied into gambling here I, I we had just gotten done my son had uh, was in a wrestling tournament in santa monica and while in between whistles you know i don't know if you've ever been to a wrestling tournament but there's like eight mats and there's whistles going off and it's very hard to um watch a streaming broadcast of the big 12 championship game and when you hear all these whistles going off because you think the whistle is on the play. And anyway, so if you have a lot of money on a football game and not so much on the matches themselves, the high school matches, it becomes uh, complicated. <laughs> so I'm watching the game, and I lost. I had bet the over, and it went way under. So. And my son got knocked out of the tournament early. So um, we go meet the rest of the family for pizza. There's a really good pizza place, Joe's Pizza, um, around the corner from where the wrestling tournament was. And my wife had already ordered um a full uh, cheese pie and three slices of pepperoni. And uh, we're eating, and I had a slice of regular, and I was ready to eat the last slice of pepperoni, which is my favorite. I saved it for last. 
and a homeless man comes to the door and asks for a slice of pizza. And my oldest son immediately reaches for the uh, slice of pepperoni to give it to him. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, whoa, 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 why don't we give him a slice of the regular? And now all of a sudden, the entire restaurant turns on me. Um, I don't know why they were focused on this conversation anyway. But they're like, oh, come on, give him the pepperoni. Whoa, what are you doing here? I was like, why? why uh, it's, the, it's the classic beggars can't be choosers line, isn't it? Like, can't I just give him a piece of the cheese pepperoni? I paid extra for the – and like, everyone's turning on me. I felt like I was in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And then I eventually had to relent and give him the slice of pepperoni and get another slice of pepperoni myself. Um, which was not in the cards, but even the guy behind the counter was like, what are you doing, man? So I don't know. I don't know if there was a practical joke against me from the beginning or not, but um, I eventually got my pepperoni, so it worked out. Yeah, that is a literal example of beggars can't be choosers, or maybe they can. (laughs) Now, you've made your fair share of competitive eating bets in your life. You actually have a set of rules that you abide by when you bet on the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Competition every July 4th that's not ruined by COVID. Uh, You even made an eating bet with your former ringer colleague, Joe House. It's a hilariously disgusting story that I'm going to encourage people to go buy the book (laughs) to uh, learn about this one. But it also inspired the memory of, I think it's your first competitive eating challenge. This wasn't against another human. The opponent was an ungodly amount of seafood. What was the Popeye's challenge, and how did you do at it in 1992? You know, I'm starting to actually think you read the book at this point, so thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> sure thing, yes. uh, Popeye's was a uh, dive restaurant. It wasn't the uh, world-famous um, chicken sandwich restaurant now that everyone's uh, going crazy about. It was a dive rest seafood restaurant in uh, Kings Park, Long Island, and we went out there, and it was $39.95. Um, the Popeye's challenge was you pay thirty nine ninety five, or if you finish the Popeye's challenge, the uh, the meal, you get it for free. And I was hell bent on getting it for free. And uh, so I went there, and it was like clams, and it was like oysters, and all kinds of seafood, which is not a big deal if you think about it, right? Eating uh, what, the contents of a clam or an oyster or whatever, uh, mussels is not that big a deal. But it was also two pounds of pasta. It was also a bunch oh. of vegetables. And it was like 25 uh, hot wings, I believe. Oh, my God. And um, I had done a dry run on the hot wings the week before, and I I knocked it out of the park. I was like, okay, I did it. And you had a certain amount of time to finish this off. So hot wings were good. Seafood was good. Vegetables were okay. uh, And pasta, uh, if they had made it three pounds, which is interesting, like an extra dollar for a pound of pasta, I don't think anyone would ever finish, but – for two pounds, I was going along and struggling, and I'm like, what a, what a message this would be if I didn't finish my vegetables, which is what you're told all along <laughs> as a kid. Uh, that, that's what uh, caught me. So anyway, the waitresses were running by, and they're like, oh, I can't believe, oh, well, you came so close, and I wasn't about to give up. And so um, I got resourceful, and I started putting what was left of the pasta in my shoes. Now, the pasta, the shoes were a brand-new pair of uh, Jordans, I believe, that I got for like $75. So already I'm losing money. Um, I, I wasted a pair of sneakers for $75 just to save on a $40 meal. But uh, it was the uh, challenge of uh, finishing the Popeye's challenge that, that got me going. 
And like I said, I just finished, and uh, I have sprouts hanging out of my laces. But um, the, luckily, the waitresses and the uh, and the managers didn't catch on, and I was able to get out of there unscathed and didn't have to pay the $40. Oh, that's so incredible. that's my Popeye's challenge story. That yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> and I guess it's fitting that in a book where you uh, wax poetic about your degenerate gambling habits that you do give us the Mount Rushmore of gamblers who is Amarillo Slim, and why is he one of the all-time greats? Amarillo Slim, you know, you have a lot of poker players to choose from, right? So you can go by who has more bracelets or from the World Series of Poker or whatever. Well, Amarillo Slim has those bracelets, but also I was interested to know, first of all, he's one of the last of the um, have a gun pulled on you or playing poker in the basement kind of guys. So uh, I like that a lot. It seems to be a lot more pressure than um, just walking away and uh, you know, playing blackjack somewhere else 10 minutes after being eliminated. Um, but also he had uh, some crazy bets he would make with people that he, he'd always win. He bet somebody that he could drive a golf ball a mile, and, uh, but it was under his condition. So who wouldn't take that bet? So what he ended up doing is was going on a, pond, on a lake, a frozen over lake, and driving the golf ball, and it just went and went and went and skidded across the ice for longer than a mile. He also bet someone that he could beat them and uh, beat a horse in a race, a 100-yard dash, but it was 50 yards one way and 50 yards the other. So by the time the horse figured out how to turn around and get back the other 50 yards, Amarillo Slim had made it uh, that, that way, and he won. He beat somebody um, in a uh, uh, Chinese professional in a ping pong but using uh, Coke cans as paddles, which he had used, he had practiced with, so he won that. So it was really ingenious, and I, I felt like I had to put him on the uh, the Mount Rushmore of gamblers that as dude. a result. Sal Iacono is known by the nickname Cousin Sal. He's the co-founder of the Extra Points Podcast Network, a bits guy on his real-life cousin's show, Jimmy Kimmel Live, co-host of Fox Bet Live on FS1, a degenerate gambler, and an undefeated pro wrestler, and he's just written a book about it all. You can't win them all. Tales of a degenerate gambler and his ridiculous friends. Sal, thank you for the time today, and thank you for this very entertaining book. Appreciate you having me on, and uh, thanks. I enjoyed the call. And thanks to you for listening. Check out all of our episodes at booksonpod.com. It's where you can also subscribe to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave a five-star rating and review. Helps us grow the show. We'll talk to you next time on Books on Pod.